Welcome to the Hashtag Finance Podcast, brought to you by Public Entrepreneur. It's a bright and sunny day in Toronto, and I'm here with Colin Fisher, president of StableView Asset Management. Hi, Colin. How are you today? Hi. Pleasure to be here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to get um, a general understanding for what you are kind of seeing in tech in 2019 right now. Uh, well, I mean, that's a pretty loaded question. I think the, um, I think, you know, writ large, I mean, so depends, private versus public. Mm. Uh, you know, I think both areas have themes that come up and go, you know, come up and they catch the imagination. You see it both in the venture world. You also see that uh, to some degree also in the, actually even more, more obvious in the, um, public world. Last year, you saw a lot of um, blockchain, a lot of AI. Um, you know, the sustainability of the some of these, some of them will carry over from one year to the next. So I think, you, for example, you're going to see that um, blockchain, a lot of them have withered, primarily because it's a function of the cryptocurrency that was being um, brought forth in the public market. I think Were you it, a believer in cryptocurrency or... Well, I, I mean, I think part of the problem is, so I'm a believer in blockchain. Um, Why is that? Well, I just think it's a, it's a powerful uh, tool that has a lot of applications. I think that, you know, the cryptocurrency component of it is a bit more specious. And yeah. I think a lot of the sort of the imagination that was being utilized, like, you know, I mean, the, the cryptocurrency component could spark the imagination, go, oh, this is a big thing, and they can understand it. I pay for this, and I do this, and it's outside the fiat currency world, and there's all these benefits that are supposed to accrue. However, most people are unaware of what currencies mean, like the difficulties of having a common currency. I mean, you look at the euro. Uh, the euro has, I, mean, I don't know what it is, like 28 countries or something like that, and you know, the euro itself, not the eurozone, but the euro itself is a very problematic currency. There's a whole bunch of different forces that want to tear it apart. You have the German economy that is incredibly value-added, high cost. So you see Audis, BMWs, German engineering equipment for a bunch of different companies. Those come out and, uh, you know, if they benefit from the lower euro, because typically if it was the German Deutschmark that you would have, it would be much, much higher. So a lot of people are, are saying, oh, you know, I'm going to have one currency and one. No way. It's never going to happen unless we change our economic structures and our capital structure completely throughout the world. But so the concept of a cryptocurrency taking over the world and being utilized for something is very problematic, just conceptually. So, you know, the Greeks are having major pain because the euro is so expensive and for the Germans are benefiting from the lower relative euro if it was on the Deutschmark on its own. So I think it, it sparked people's imagination. Understanding the framework of blockchain and the fact that it's incredibly efficient for the process of having uh, a distributed ledger that you can't hack easily or can't change and it can show. So for security. Purposes, yeah, well, the yeah. security, but it also means that you know exactly where something has moved to and who has possession. Maybe you haven't changed ownership, but it, you know, it moves through your supply chain. It goes from warehouse A to warehouse B to warehouse C, and you know exactly where it is. And the, and, and the immutable element means that you can't then futz around with it and 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 play with the ledger in a way that you could hack or or create fraud. Right. So there's a huge amount of benefit of the blockchain, uh, and I think a lot of the applications we're not even aware of what the benefits are going to be. 
the cryptocurrency component, i.e. the tokenization, and remember the token is only, or the cryptocurrency is only an, a feature of the blockchain. And so a lot of people are like, oh, the immutability and the, and the security. Well, then you have these concepts of the wallet and the wallet around the blockchain is an incredibly frail and f- fallible area of the overall uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency experience. Most people don't know the difference as to whether they actually have a wallet or whether they have an account on an exchange. Well, I heard that they were actually selling like crypto kitties online. Like you can buy a cat yes. online so, and, and it's a, it's a currency. You've, you've heard about that? Uh, well, so no. So uh, y- yes, crypto yeah. kitties was this hugely popular thing that flared up. Don't tell me you bought you no. bought a crypto kit. Okay, no, no. good. I have good. friends who bought them, though. Really? And how, what happened with the... They did it because they're their... idiots, and they just wanted to do it, right? <laughs> I mean, there was no sort of like, oh, hey, I'm going to make a million bucks. They yeah. were like, Let, I want to buy a crypto kitty, partially for the experience of like, what is this thing? Well, I was thinking I was just going to get a cat, but then I was like, you know, this is probably a lot easier. And I could trade it in one day. Yeah, what are, what are those things called? Tamagotchis <laughs> or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Tamagotchi, yeah. Tamagotchi. That was like my childhood pet. Yeah, so... <laughs> You know, it's not wholly dissimilar to that concept. Anyway, so those, you know, those are sort of like the proof of concept. Can you transact? Can you create something? Can you put some sort of like use? I think that was done on um, the Ethereum network. And so, you know, you know, Ethereum sort of being like an operating system of blockchain so that you can do multiple things and build and code and have it transcribed to the blockchain. So. You know, so going back to the thematic element, I think there was a lot of story and theme around blockchain that went public last year. And it was around the idea of cryptography like and the bubble. crypto, like a bubble. Yeah. yeah. And so, but there was a lot less reality behind it. Right? And do you so, think that the, this bubble was very, I thought, millennial based? Do you think that? There are two components to the bubble. There's the cryptocurrency itself, who yeah. actually traded it, whatnot. There's a million different, I mean, part of the problem is a lot of people didn't realize, and it's starting to come to light, and I've been saying it for years, is that, you know, there is a, here we are in an exchange, the CSE. You guys are a real exchange. You have multiple parties. You can see market depth. You can understand who's transacting. You see the different counterparties, and you see that they meet in the middle and a transaction happens. Correct. There is none of that clarity literally none of that clarity on the on the uh, cryptocurrency exchanges. They were two points. And you don't know whether I was getting the same quote as you or somebody yep. else. And you don't know what the bid-ask spread was. You, I don't know if I was buying it off you, whether I was buying it off the house. There is none of that clarity. So A friend of mine actually told me that uh, people who had bought a bunch of crypto, they were only able to use that money or that currency to buy trips. So then there was like this huge, like last summer of a bunch of people, like oh. all these people traveling because that's the only way they could use the crypto. Like that's. Oh, I see. So maybe they bought a specific coin. Yeah. I don't that's know. What I, I mean, on your point where it's like, where is this coming from? Where like, yeah. how do I. Well, I mean, the, the knowledge, the lack of knowledge. Okay. So let's finally get this out there. <laughs> why, why is the U.S. dollar. The world reserve currency. I don't know. A lot of people say, oh, it's because of the military. Yeah. Military. Because we can enforce the hegemony of our currency. There's some truth to that. 
there's some truth to saying, listen, if you're going to be the biggest kid in the, in the, in the playground that you have to, inf- and you're, and you're going to set the rules. You have to have the biggest stick and able to ensure that those rules exist. But the real reason is, um, and I might be a little off on this, but eff- effectively, uh, Richard Nixon moved the U.S. from the gold standard to the oil standard. Hmm. And they moved to the gold standard. Uh, so when they moved to the oil standard, what effectively started happening was that every commodity on the planet, every commodity on the planet trades in USD. Hmm. So if Canadians want to go and buy oil, we have to buy USD and then transact on that on the on the commodity contract. Right. We can't contract. We don't contract um, with our Canadian dollar. We contract with our, with USD. So every every commodity on the planet trades in USD. So that means that the U.S. is the only printing press in the world that can go to the printer, turn something in paper, walk over, and get a barrel of oil. They can get a a barrel, uh, a bushel of grain, a bushel of wheat, or whatever. So everything transacts in USD. The last two wars... Now I'm not, and I'm not putting on a tinfoil hat. You can go and Google it yourself. If you yeah, look you're at not the, giving us a conspiracy theory. I'm you? not. So if you look at the <laughs> Libyan, if you look at the Libyan uh, rebels before Muammar Gaddafi got smoked, the Libyan rebel group, the first act that they did was to create a central bank. Rebel groups don't create central banks. They don't go, oh, you know what the thing I need today when I wake up is I need a central bank. It was because Muammar Gaddafi started trading oil in dinar, gold dinar, I think it was, and in rupee. And so the U.S. said, that's, you're done. And the same thing happened with uh, Saddam Hussein uh, when he started trading oil in euro. Now, with the Chinese and the, uh, with uh, the the brick, basically, that group is creating their own central bank, their own sort of uh, um World Bank to create a counterparty to the U.S. dollar, which will break some of the U.S. hegemony. So that's just a concept of a lot of the people understand the technical elements of cryptography. Uh, They understand the technology, technological components of blockchain. But then when they start wading into the currency component, they're completely and utterly dropping acid they know so little. It's just frightening. And so the idea of these this big global hegemonic component is a very problematic for a whole host of different reasons. So but you didn't you didn't buy crypto? And I didn't buy, but going back to your question, man, I really went down the <laughs> rabbit hole. I'm glad you're here. Jesus Christ. So anyway, so um is that at the end of the day Going to your point of the of the millennial component, I think it was in the in the valuation of the cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. in the in the idea of trading it. But a lot of those trades were, I think, at the end of the day, completely and utterly false. If you go through them, I think there were a lot of wash trades, yeah. building I mean, it up, creating a volume and whatnot. It's and, electronic cats. I, 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 well, it's not just the electronic. No, I'm talking about the currencies. Of, yes, actual, yeah. like, like you saw these huge discrepancies between one. Um, one uh, exchange to another. And like, if that was a real exchange, there would be no way that that would happen. And so as a as a portfolio manager as well, no. and you're looking at different deals. And so obviously there were a couple of cryptocurrency deals that probably landed on your table. Uh, what ton of them. did you say to them? Like, did you, like, what so, did you think? So, okay. So what I first thought was, I have no way of knowing what this really is. Like, like I understand the technology behind it. Um, so I, what I actually did was I built a big crypto rig in my office. Oh, 
And so the reason was because they were, if you look at every graph in the, that they brought, they're like, you know, it's a J curve, you know, up and to the right ad infinitum. Usually one just buys like a, you know, cryptocurrency for dummies, but you. No, you, I built the built, rig. And the reason, built but the reason you need to understand the rig <laughs> versus to understand it is so, A, what is the process of actually mining? What actually happens? What do you actually do? Yeah. What's the difference between the pool? How much are you actually making? So, you know, when I built my rig, it was uh, two years ago now. It was in October. What are we? 2019. So 20, 2017. It was a 2017. And I actually did it for our Stable Tech event. So I put Be- it on there. Because you wanted to understand it more. I wanted to understand what was okay. going on. There was all these assumptions that were built in. So I wanted to see what the assumptions were. Because you're, would you say that you're a type of person that you wouldn't go ahead and then believe in something or put it in your conference if you didn't? Know how no, how it actually no, works. No, I wanted to know if I wanted to invest in these things. Okay. Right? It was, okay. it, you know, all, you know, another couple of years ago, I invested uh, uh, when we were getting audited, uh, our year-end audit. Someone was like, why? There's $3,000 spent in Clash of Clans. And I, they were like, what, what is this 3000 I go, well, I wanted to understand these... <laughs> You know those um, those social gaming elements, yeah. right? And I wanted to see what. And I remember seeing um, Jack Black on like Jimmy Kimmel or or Jim. What's the other the other guys? Uh, the other Jimmy or whatever his name is. Anyway, on one of these talk late shows, night shows, late night yeah. shows. And he was yelling at one of these companies. He was yeah. like, "Look, you got my son spent four grand, and I want my money back." And there was all this liability building up around these social gaming because they had no limits and none of these sort of th- these no thresholds. Tangible. No, no. Yeah. But there was, so you give your kid the iPad, yeah, and then all of a sudden the kid is gone and spent, spent. all this dough, yeah, and all of a sudden you got a four grand bill. Oh wow! Right. So I wanted to understand what's the lot. What's the real? Have they have they started to address this problem? Have they started to put limits on this stuff? What does it actually do if you change? If I spend a hundred bucks, if you spend a thousand, like I wanted to push the limit, and I couldn't think of anybody who would have spent three grand. But I wanted to understand what are all the limiters, what are all the problems, and what does it do for your game experience? What did your office look like at this point when no, you sold? I was just painting this on my phone. Oh, okay. You know, but when you set con- up the mining, oh, thing the in your mining office, rig. Like, oh, for the oh, it's just a rig. It's probably little bit it's probably about this long was and about it just that like high. on your desk or was it in yeah it's the, just on a desk okay. but i don't know if you've seen it uh, so a, a crypto rig is typically built with what is called an open architecture okay so it doesn't have a box like you see all the components it's like a frame and it's mounted in and you have a board and and the funny thing is is that you know to give some concept a normal board in a computer will have one or maybe two what are called PCI Express slots. Okay. PCI Express slot is for plugging in your graphics card. So a normal board will have two, maybe three. Really good one might have four. Maybe six I'll even give you. This has 19. Okay. And it's just, it's a pure cryptographic mining rig. So I could put 19 things on this, 19 graphics cards. So there's different types of mining rigs. There's called an ASIC, which is an application-specific integrated chip. There's also something called an FPGAM, which uh, FPGA, which is a field programmable gate array. So you can program it for specific types of calculations. Yeah. And then most, a lot of them are now what are called GPU miners. So that's a graphic processing unit. And that's like Ethereum. So Bitcoin is an ASIC. Ethereum is a, is a, is a GPU. So it's a GPU mining rig. The reason I bought that is because you can use a GPU for other things. So I'm about to turn it into a neural network to do some deep, uh, deep learning on it. Oh. 
Um, but the, the, the reason is, is that there was all of these elements. So part of it was the price of the currency. So I was mining Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Then you could also, so I wanted to see, okay, so there's a price of Ethereum. Then there's how many, um, coin, like you, you, you do all these problems and you get a slice of a coin every yeah. time they find one. And then there's what's called the, um, the network computational complex. So there's complexity of the, mm-hmm. of the network and the comp, and then how many rigs are actually slicing this coin. Yeah. And that was just expanding exponentially. So, it was just the cost was just like the the return was just I think the return over a two month period dropped by sixty percent and it okay. wasn't that the computing power of any one it wasn't like this GPU is sixty percent less it's just that there was basically a hundred and ten percent more cards on the network hunting down coins and therefore you were getting ever fewer coins as you were find uh, for anyone you were finding or so your ever. conclusion to it was like it just doesn't work like it's not like not that it just doesn't work it's just like you didn't believe that this no it's was just actually- no it's just that you know what it is like so in another like in most scalable businesses right so i create a piece of software and once i sell it um like excel let's say so the most used software on the planet once you sell it, you've created it, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of iterations of it are out there. People buy it and use it. Now they've turned it into a repetitive thing. So you're not buying and replacing and upgrading. You know, it's cloud-based or it's um, subscription-based. But it's super scalable. Once I've made it, I can sell it to 100 million people. Yeah. And there's no issue. So the mass, abil- mass scalability of that is, is, is you know, massive. Mm-hmm. In the case of underst- everyone thought that same scalability component came into the cryptocurrency, crypto mining area. And mm-hmm. what really, what I really realized was that it's an inverse scalability. It becomes less efficient as these rigs get bigger and you got to deal with cooling and the cost of electricity yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. So there's all these other elements coming in against you. So the way I looked at it's it was. Expensive. To, to, to yeah, hundred percent. Well, and listen, I was doing it in my office. My electricity is not metered separately, so yeah. you know I, I had to keep it adult. Well, yeah, sure, oh, the accounting turn... department came knocking on your door. What's uh, yeah. what's going on with the uh, reg here? Well, the, well, the funny thing is, is that I actually had to turn it off because the damn office got too hot. Oh wow! Okay. So in the middle of the winter, people liked it on as spring, like like we're here now. You know, the shoulder season okay. where the buildings have a hard time sort of calibrating. It, we were. It was like a sauna. Wow. So I just, they were like, turn that off. I was like, okay. Turn, so everybody was just kind of. It's sitting there idle right now. Just, just people like, what is that? Like, it's <laughs> but it's, but it can be used for many, many different things. Yeah. Right. So that's why I bought that particular, a GPU versus an ASIC. Yeah. Because ASIC is, it does one thing. That's it. And a game, it, it can do nothing else. You can't use it for anything else. So anyway, um, so I built it just to purely understand what the math was, what the reality is, what are the expectations versus the reality. Um, plus, you know, I have a friend of mine, he, you know, run more server farms and I've had hot meals. And he was talking about the degradation of the overall mining, how quickly you have to replace it. So you have all these different elements going against you. Yeah. So I just wanted to go like, you know, and a lo- I think what what ignited it for Canada in particular was that. We're a strong mining country. We understand mining. Oh, interesting. Right. So that when you said mining, that. they're like the, the, the common 
psyche could go, I understand mining. Okay, this is a digital form of mining. Right. But the difference is, is that you don't have a technology that depre- depreciates at the rate at which it depreciates. Yeah. So what's the actual longevity of the server, server farm? And then secondly, having technology, like, it's not, like if I'm digging it at a, at a rock face and I'm getting X amount of grams per ton or whatever the heck it is you're getting, that won't change materially because of somebody else's mind somewhere else. Right. Whereas your mind is materially affected, you're getting fewer and fewer nuggets because someone else is mining, mining. in yeah. Arizona. So it's like a saturated. Right. It's, it's like it's, set. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a, it's just that you're getting it's a, the coin itself is a scarce resource that gets impacted by the number of people hunting that scarce resource. Right. So that's the probably the essence of it. So anyway, that's why. So that's why I never really went into those. Those, uh, and, and you got to know yourself. And then when the companies came, did you tell them that you were testing this out and you? What listen, I'm not. Listen, were? I'm not. Okay, you know, I, I have a bad enough reputation as being a bit of a dick in these meetings, and I'm trying to, you know, going to therapy no, about no, that. No, it's you're I asking do, questions, and no, and, trust me, and you have to because trust there me, was anybody hearing this podcast is going to be a yeah, fuck. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, you know, in venture capital, that's usually. It, but anyway, I, you know, I do yoga three times a week. I'm trying to become a little more chill. Yeah. A little more. Maybe turn little, down the rig a bit. Yeah. It won't get so hot. You won't get uh, so furious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so it was an interesting. It, so these are all experiments. I mean, part of it is that, you know. You know, it's like gaming right now. Gaming's the news, I guess. Yeah, let's talk about game. We're having an e-gaming event, April 24th. Sure. Great. And uh, have you ever heard of DreamHack? DreamHack, no. No. They're like one of the largest esports or e-gaming. With it's a conflict. The guy was telling me they don't know whether to call it esports or e-gaming. Well, like e-gaming s- doesn't exist. Yeah, they started no, with no, esports, no. and now everybody's like, we should no, no, have no. called it e-gaming. No, no, it's two words. Is it? Out. Is it? It's okay. esports or gaming. Oh, okay, interesting. So it's interesting. Esports interesting. or gaming? Okay. They're e-gaming. No. No. Mega Nega. Why? Well, Google it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, so they basically it's just, that's have the word these, you use. They have these huge conferences. So it's apparently like a one point one billion dollar industry and then oh, I think it's bigger than that to be honest. Oh yeah. And 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 when I'm doing my research on it, I'm seeing like these events with these kids like taking a comp- like with all these computers and essentially the event is these kids like competing like while gaming. And I'm oh, just yeah, thinking yeah, 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 yeah. what is going on yeah, here? Yeah, but like, I mean, so is... that's been going on. So that part I've known about for quite some time. And that yeah. happens in Canada and the U.S. and U.K. and whatnot. I think the difference is, is the – so the gaming component, the esports component, yeah. where you're having these teams and people are following them and whatnot is is much more of a South Asian yeah. – Asian um, phenom. And it's starting to come over to Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, Can we expect some esports – Esports, right? Esports, yes. not e-gaming. Esports. Esports at, or gaming. Okay. Esports or gaming companies at uh, your next conference, Stableview. Yeah. So we had quite a few last year. We had uh, um, actually we had a really good panel. Um, we had a couple of presenting companies. I expect to have a few more this year as well. Yeah. What I like about that, from an investment point of view, is like where blockchain and cryptography, uh, cryptocurrencies and whatnot were, I think, sort of more in the true hallucination period mm. that was like a tulip bubble, like the 1660s Dutch tulip bubble or whatever, whatever year it was. Maybe it was 1500s, I don't know. But 
you know that 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 um, bubble was like, what is the utility of a of a of a, of a tulip really? Now, maybe utility is the wrong word, but you know, in in the e sports and in the gaming world, things like Twitch. I don't know how many years ago that um, Twitch was bought by Amazon. I think they spent a billion bucks on it. Yeah. And everyone's like, what the hell are you spending a billion bucks on Twitch for? Right? Like this, you know, this. That's the part that I didn't understand about like the e-gaming, e-sports industry was like, they're really relying on an acquisition to make money. No. I I think Twitch is making it. I think they're making hand over fist in dough. But if it didn't, like if they didn't get acquired. No, they, they would. They, I think they went too early. Okay. I think I think if they went today, they'd be going for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten billion. Like, it's just the, the whole. The thing that I like about the gaming sports is that it's a natural outcropping of something that is built up. Like Steam was a, a problem where gamers were having an issue getting their updates and figuring stuff out and how to, so they put together communities. This is an outcropping of something that kids were doing. This is like a, a natural communal growth. That's why I like the esports and the gaming sector more than most other sort of thematic investments is because it is such a powerful outcropping of something that's actually happening naturally. Uh. Right. So, you know, I think that's why, like, like things like Twitch, um, you know, I think this overactive uh, and the Overwatch leagues, you know, these League of Legends, Call of Duty, you know, Apex just came out. All of these, I think, are real natural things that are growth. They're not an artifice. They're not a conceptual story. This is, oh, my God, this is actually happening. Yeah, it's working. This is working. Yeah. So I, what I like about this is I think this is a good area. For, what What I don't like is I'm seeing a lot of... I'm seeing a lot of made for going public thematic games around the gaming and esports. Okay. I've seen a ton of that. A lot of these are going to be just like dead twitching bodies on the side of the road. Yeah. Investors have to really watch out. What I hate about some of these things is that people get onto the bandwagon. They don't realize that really how to understand or how to analyze right. the problem. What is it? Is it real? Is this just a, or is this a, a meat, like a, me too is the wrong word, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> let's not get into yeah, that no, conversation. I know, but I mean, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, me, uh, me also, uh, and you know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, anyway, yeah. I don't know what the damn what word do we use now? I don't, that. Know. I don't know. But, we uh, can make one up right here, right now. And I also, I guess is the right one. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, Johnny come lately there, Johnny come lately, you know, they're not real. They're not actually, um, um, real businesses. Yeah. Because there's enough real businesses that are out there. Most of them are private. Um, they're going to be, and I think they're going to maintain private for a long time because yeah. I think that there's going to be certain types of growing pains and growth curves that are better done in the private sector rather before going public. Um, I've, I've seen some very interesting companies, whether they should be going public or not now is, you know, I always dislike it when companies go public too early. Yeah. Um, the public market doesn't, especially in Canadian tech, we lack a lot of capital for some of the subsequent fund rounds of funding. Well, there's a lot of like vice. I was, I worked in venture capital previously and there was a lot of, um, I won't hold that against you. <laughs> yeah. 
there was a lot of um, connotation around like you know going public is a bad thing. It's it's well, not a good thing. You're 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 um, you're you know dis- you know you're not doing a good thing with your company. And they're you know keep it private, keep private investor, wait for an acquisition. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think it's I'm agnostic. Yeah. So. The way to look at going public, in my opinion, someone else can tell me that I'm a total jackass and I don't know what I'm talking about. But the way I look at it is, let's say you have five buyers. Yeah. So you got buyer A, buyer B, buyer C, and buyer D. That's four, right? And then you've got the public markets. If the public markets is providing you the most capital at the best price, getting you shareholders, everybody's getting... See, one of the benefits of the liquidity of the public markets is that once one share goes, or once you list your shares, all shares are available for sale. So people can, you may want people who want an exit now, but you as a founder may say, I want to continue on with this. Right. And so you may go, look, I, I want to provide liquidity for X amount of my shareholders, but I myself don't want it or management doesn't or other shareholder group doesn't want it. So that way you can provide liquidity through the public markets. But again, it goes back into, it's it's not an... It's a matrix. Yeah. It's not a binary. It, like the idea of like, it's like saying all guys are good looking. Yeah. Well, that's not true. Right. You know <laughs> what I mean? So, so, the, so it's a, it's, so the blanket statement doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. So to say go public is bad compared to what? Yeah. Well, so if somebody else, what if ABC and D are offering you $1 for yeah. your whole company and now they're, but the public market's offering you 50 million. Well, Hello, public markets. That's so the way I'm going. giving up. I think that's what no, it was. Yeah, like, so, seeing us, yeah, you know what, we're just going to... But that's... Didn't yeah, work no. out. Let's just go public. Well, yeah, so that wasn't always the case. I think that's a part, too, though, is part... It also depends on where you're going public. Yeah. Are you going... And also, at what price? Are you going public at a billion-dollar valuation? Or are you going public at a $20 million valuation? Part of the problem is, you know, I might agree more with that statement going public at a $20 million valuation mm-hmm. rather than going public at a billion-dollar valuation. If you go public... Listen, is Uber a failure? They're about to go public at some gargantuan, eye-bleeding valuation. I think Lyft is listing as well. So are those guys failures? Yeah. No. Right? No. They're not. So, but, well, we don't know, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, but so, so I just, I, I think it's a function of a matrix. If you're going too early, if you're, but I, I look at them as one of the potential liquidity events. Yeah. Is it a wholesale selling of the company or is it a, just part of the overall um, plan? Plan. Like, and, and so I, I prefer companies go public later and bigger. Hmm. Part go of the bigger, problem go is, home, well, kind of. but hold on. There, there's another whole element to this, which is the Canadian. Well, part of the reason we do the Stableview Tech Conference is that there is a massive dearth of capital in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's an absolute desert. We have a relatively strong early period, you know, venture capital, whatnot. Not enough. Still, no. most of that money still comes from outside of Canada, primarily the U.S. Yes. Then, when we get to another certain scale, we we get super excited that, you know, big invet- U.S. investors come in, but typically the economics now go away. Yeah. So that's why we don't see many public companies, uh, uh, companies go public, tech companies go public. We see a few here and there, but it's not 
at the number of companies that we have in Canada that are private companies that are really, really good companies, we're not seeing most of it because most of it is being bought up yeah. by the U.S. Oh, I know. I know. It's, yeah. And and for a, a lower valuation, too. So Well, I mean, we had Venice Solutions. So Venice Solutions just raised $115 million. I know a bit more of the internal stuff, but I'm not allowed to talk about it. But let's say $115 million, that's the public number. How much actually went to the company is a secondary thing, but a lot of secondary is taken out. And we, we participated. We sold our shares. Okay. And part of it is, so JMI and Santana came in and they, they're private equity firms. And part of it is that the rights of the, of the shareholders were being eroded. Every new big raise, the current shareholders get an erosion of their rights and therefore reduces typically your upside and a whole bunch of other things. But everybody was out there banging pots and pans going, hey, we're, look how great the success is. Yeah. So you see in the Globe and Mail, you see, you know, Difference Capital banging their pots and pans. You see all these people. We were investors in that same. We, we just don't have any pots. and I, I don't know where my pots and pans are. <laughs> but you know, And I like to always say that, you know, uh, success has many fathers. Failure is an orphan. Uh, and okay. so everybody's touting the success. But the problem is it wasn't a success. No Canadians invested in that last round. Most of the Canadians got taken out. Most of the economics are going south of the border now. And we're celebrating that. We're celebrating that they're going out. Yeah. That the that the Trojan horse has shown up. Hey, look at this great horse. Yeah. Right. But we're gutting our own system. So I'm in the process of putting together a publicly traded company uh, right now to address this problem. We just have a massive dearth of capital in Canada. If anybody wants to find out about this PubCo when I finally put it out, if they want to participate. Uh, You're going to list on our exchange, right? Have not figured that out. I don't know. Part of it is also what sh- what bought, what shell we have to go public. But I'd be happy to, to, to list on okay, you guys. Okay, so Richard? Yeah, just close this one. Yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway, that's one, you know, it, but it, it's important to Canada. Like, this is part of the problem is that, you know, we have all these super clusters coming out. We have all these government things. And then, you know, we put these people on, t- on, on the, on the, on the body of these things who've only run big companies. Yeah. And I'm like, well, in what, listen, if you, if you want somebody to ro- ro- uh, uh, pilot an ocean liner, then you get an ocean liner pilot. But these things aren't ocean liner. These are tiny little tippy kayaks mm-hmm. going down rough rivers. Yes. And yeah. you need to have somebody who knows how to do a kayak. Yeah. So you put this ocean liner guy on a kayak, and all of a sudden the damn thing's upside down and everyone's dead. Yeah. And you're like, well, well, wow, that seemed like he, seemed like a good idea at the time, yeah. putting an ocean liner guy on a kayak going down a river. Let's do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I saw a lot of... And, you know, I, I think... On your point of Venice Solutions, I and I'm I think super it was happy a, for the management. Let me I, be clear oh, for sure for those guys. Yeah, put them on a pinnacle. There's a great example of a management team that executed. Doing. Yes, those are great, but we don't finance yeah. them. Don't let them go. Yeah, because we just can I swear? You can do it. Yeah, I feel like you want to. And I you're feel like to. I need to. We can't tell you. We're no. a bunch of. F- <laughs> we. F- let our companies go out at pennies on the dollar. Um, we do it all the time. And we don't have anyone with the big money that has the, 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 the testicular fortitude to help the problem. They all say it, but we're all a bunch of cowards. We have the most cowardly capital markets right now. They won't lead into this thing. It's a big problem. We have government trying to do it. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. We have the big money guys, you know, that need to lead the charge. 
I'm putting this this publicly traded company because you know what the problem is? They've got these big fat hands that they're trying to get into the small cap space, and they're like, "Hey, I can't get in there." Yeah. And then the U.S. is more agile, and they keep keep taking it. Yeah. So I'm putting this thing together, this company together, and the name of the company is called Garrison Creek. And Garrison the whole Creek. point, I've got three guys now on the board. One one of them is you know, and all the the board of directors is all guys that have built 500 million to a billion plus companies in multiple areas. Okay. Uh, they've got specialization in AI, supply chain logistics. We'll have uh, eSports and gaming section as well. That's more of a new phenom, obviously, but he just happens to be right in the middle of it. And the point is, is that we, if we want to see more Canadian companies succeed, they actually should be going public. Hmm. Like We as a, as a country do a really bad job, really bad job of encouraging the the capital to flow into private companies. We make it an absolute gargantuan pain yeah. to invest in Canadian public uh, companies. It's not enough awareness. It's not seen no, it's not as a just good thing. Aware, it's also the regulatory yeah. environment. Wow. That's a whole other. No, no, but the regulatory environment, because you've got all these big, this big money going in. We have a concentration of financial services are going into very few mutual funds. The, the concentration is becoming so dire that we're not feeding. Like if you only water six trees and then you see only the things that are right around that, those six trees. And you're like, wow, I wonder why there's no plants out there that we need to create a biodiversity and to do all this stuff. We're only watering six trees. Yeah. And we're wondering why, wow, why isn't the forest doing well? Yeah. Why are we losing our birds and we're losing our chipmunks and we're losing this? It's because we've got such an imbalanced structure for the capital market. So, you know, we've been putting on this tech event money out of our own pocket for the last, uh, this is our sixth year going now, mm. because there's no one willing, you know, to quote Kennedy, some people look at the problem and they say, why? And I look at the problem and say, you know, look at it and go, why not? Why not have a more thriving capital markets around the technology? Why not have uh, a company that can go out there and help service them more? Why not have this big funding gap filled by our capital market? I mean, if we're supposed to be a capitalist society, then we should be able to do that which capitalists do, which is up allocate capital to the most efficient parts of the market. Yeah. And, and, and we're not doing it for a whole thousand different dumb reasons. Do you know where the ter all the terms of capitalism come from? No, but I'm about to find out. Are you excited to find I'm out? I'm very excited. You should be. <laughs> so uh, it comes from farming. Almost everything comes from farming. Okay. So a cow is capital. Milk is a dividend. And another cow is capital gain. Okay. And then in the farmers as well. So the concept of future markets, futures markets. So futures markets are, I'm a farmer, you're a baker, you need wheat at the end of the season. So you tell me how much you need. I plant it. We agree on a price in the future. And therefore, that's a futures market. Hmm, so see. most of everything comes off of the farm uh, for capital. But, you know, so if we needed more milk, then you get you have more cows. If you need more eggs, you have more chickens. If you need more pork, you get more right. pigs. But but that's part of the problem is that we right now have an imbalance. Like we have an amazing technology ecosystem being completely and utterly fed by foreign capital, which is creating this which is gonna create a branch plant economy again in the space. If we don't take the 
um, steps to cure it. Now, I'm trying to. I'm doing it on, not necessarily on my own, but, you know, trying to build out the, the ecosystem in the community. But we as a capital markets right now are an abject failure in this space. Yeah. Well, Colin, I, I hope that, uh, you know, you do... A, a, a good job, you know, <laughs> raising this awareness and and you should talk about it at your upcoming conference and you should and it's something that you should brand as well that you're going to be talking about at that. Oh, conference. I rant about it. Good. I, I'm sure you can I, and handle. And I, I look forward to seeing you rant about it more at your upcoming conference in October, right? October third. Great. Yep. Well, Colin, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, and Thanks very much. Um, we'll see you soon. Thanks very much. Take Bye. care. Hi, it's Grace from the CSC reminding you to make sure to follow us on social media for the latest updates on our listed companies as well as new listing alerts. For more in-depth content, be sure to pick up our free quarterly magazine, Public Entrepreneur, available online at thecsc.com.